Hello, you amazing, fabulous, incredible woman. It's amazing to be back in your earbuds. And today we are at episode 58. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business brand and big idea. Welcome back to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. It is awesome to have you here. As always, and if this is your first time, welcome. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, and this podcast is brought to you by The Connection Exchange. I work with women in business to help them and you build confidently bold brands, get out of your own way and start playing big and branding bold. And I'm excited to be back. If you listen to this podcast regularly, then You may know I kind of skipped a week last week. I was in Queenstown, New Zealand at an event. And if you've not been, go immediately, if not sooner. I've not been before. It was incredible. I just had no idea. It's like three hours from Melbourne. It is majestic and magical. And I cannot wait to take my kids back. There's like a billion things to do, jet boating and bungee jumping and luging and gondolas and all the rest of it. So that's where I was. And I could have totally hustled to get a podcast episode out, but I just decided to just be okay with skipping a week. And I don't think I've actually done that for like the last year or so. So, you know, sometimes you just got to let it go, be a bit of an Elsa and let it go. But today we are talking about a topic that I've actually been helping some of my clients out with lately. And so, you know, and so I thought, you know something, I'm just going to do a podcast episode on it. And so today we're talking about how you can set up and manage positive client relationships. Well, I guess the other thing I'm going to talk about a little bit, because this was one particular thing I helped a client with, is that when it does go sour, how do you fire a client as well? Okay, so we're going to be talking about a few of these things. We're going to talk about money too. But before we dive into this week's podcast episode, I obviously want to remind you about the video masterclass, the free video masterclass that sits on theconnectionexchange.com, all about building a standout brand. So if you struggle to get your message clear, understand what the key elements of building a standout brand are, and you want some insightful training and free, did I mention it's free, about what matters to your audience, then this one is for you. So all you have to do is head over to the show notes, or you can just go straight to theconnectionexchange.com. It's actually in the top banner, or go to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash brand masterclass, and you can get access today. But I know that this topic is of interest to a lot of people because I put it on my Insta stories and I got a lot of responses. So I don't want to hang on anymore. Let's dive in. Okay, so what I have done is that I've broken this down into five key areas and then I've got a few tips under each area. So we're going to be talking about managing client relationships when it comes to discovery calls, onboarding, working with your client through the process or the project, how to fire a client and I'm going to give you a script. I recently gave another client of mine and then how to close off the relationship for long-term success and repeat business. So that's what we're going to go through today. You can obviously find all of this in the show notes as well uh, over on the website. If you just head over to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash podcast, then you'll be able to find this episode and all the others. So let's dive in. Now, I always believe that you have to get the foundations right. Not only the foundations right, but you have to make the right decision about which clients to work with and which clients not to work with. Now, I am going to anticipate 
that there are some people listening to this podcast that are like, Suze, I have to take on every client that I get. I can't afford not to. And this was a question that actually came up at an event that I was speaking at not too long ago where somebody also made that statement. The one thing I just want to say is that I don't think it's worth getting into a bad relationship that causes you stress, sleepless nights, and makes your life a nightmare just for the money. So I think you've just got to make that decision as well. And I just want to kind of, you know, make sure that I'm calling that out because I know some people do think that. And as I said before, if money is that tight and you have to accept bad clients, then go and get a barista job or go and do additional work somewhere else until you get to a point where you're working with great clients. And I just think that it's okay to do that. So I just sort of wanted to pop that in there because I've talked about this a lot before. Do not take on things that are going to be a negative experience for you. Go and get a bridge job whilst you are building a great client base. First of all, when somebody finds you online and they head over to your website and they contact you, then hopefully you've got a really great system in place where you're getting notified when clients contact you. Hopefully you've got a form that they can fill out that gives you an idea of what it is exactly that they want so that when you get on the call, you're prepared. I have a number of different products, so that's why I kind of have, you know, what is it that you're interested in? Are you interested in me being a speaker or joining one of my courses or doing a strategy session, et cetera? So you need to make a decision if you need to have a form that's got multiple options because I just think it prepares you as well. Then I've got a link that I send somebody if I feel like the discovery form or the contact form is relevant, then I send them a link to then book a time to speak to me. Now, when I am getting on this call, I have a script in front of me and it's not actually a script. That's the wrong word. It's a set of questions that I ask that I'm very specific what I need to know about the person, how they work, how they communicate, what they want and what their prior relationships are work relationships have been like. Now you might be like, oh, that's a bit, you know, detailed Suze, but this is how you weed out clients that are not right for you. So obviously we're going to be talking a lot more about how to have great relationships with clients, but this is like the gate. This is the gatekeeper. This is the entry point where you only want great clients coming through that gate. They are the only ones that are allowed in. Otherwise, you're just going to be in so much pain down the track. So I think that this is really important. So the first thing I just said, have a contact form with options and maybe ask a couple of questions. If somebody's not willing to answer questions, that's your first red flag because then that prepares you for what the call's going to be about, what they're looking for and how you can approach that. The second thing is have the questions that you want answered. Don't just wing it because then you get off the call and you're like, oh, maybe I should have asked this question or that question. Um, And I would also say to reflect on the clients that you have had. And if you've had bad clients or clients that have not worked out, have not been a fit, then what do you wish that you would ask them at the beginning? So that's how you can reflect on what that initial discovery call uh, or vetting call what sort of questions you should be asking on that as well. The next thing that I'm really clear on is the type of people I want to work with. And I learned this the hard way. So because I'm just like so outgoing and, you know, want to help everybody, then I did take on some clients that had been referred to me and I had some inklings but I didn't listen to my gut, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But now I'm really clear on the type of people I want to work with. They have to be action takers or else it's a waste of both of our time. Yeah, because I'm very much about playing big, branding bold. I'm very much about amplifying your personal brand. So if you work with me, then the things I'm going to ask you to do is show up to do the work to get on social, to get your face out there, to be a thought leader, to have something to say. So if 
somebody comes to me and they're like, yeah, no, I don't really want to do any of that. I'm like, well, then I'm not the right coach for you. I'm not the right person for you to be working with. So I think that you need to know who you are, what your expectations are of your clients and what that ideal client looks like. Now, I think I've said it before. I've got a number of people in my community and clients I've worked with where I'm like, oh, if I could duplicate them by a thousand, my life would be joy. They do the work every week. They show up. They do what's required and they're action takers. So that's like really important to me. And so I want you to have a think about that too, so that you can start to ask questions of the people that you're having these discovery calls with, where you can kind of say, this is something that I say, this is who I am. And I would say what I just said to you. And then I would say, how does that work for you? Because I'm going to ask you to do Insta stories and I'm going to ask you to do video. And maybe if you want to be a speaker, then that's something that you're going to need to do as well. So I am really clear about how I work as a coach. I explain it to them. And then I also set my expectations with them. And I say, so if that is what you want, if you want somebody who's going to kind of give you a virtual kick up the bum and be accountable and make sure that you're doing what you need to do because you've said you want to do it, then I'm the right coach for you. If you want to coast and you kind of just want to do bits and pieces, then I'm probably not right for you. And I think that being able to say that is really important. If you are a web designer or if you are a copywriter, you can do this as well. And so you can set out how you work. So for example, you'll say, I work with people who, you know, are really clear on what it is that they want to say. I obviously then hone that for them. We will work together over a six week period and I will need this from you on these dates. Yeah. So you set that up from the beginning. And I actually think if I was to work with somebody and they were to outline exactly how we were going to work, what was required of me when I needed to do things and what their expectation is, that would actually really instill confidence in me that this is the right person to work with. Like they're not just kind of winging it. They're not just kind of doing whatever comes to mind. They have a system, they have a process. They are very specific about who they work with so that they can get the best results for their clients. So sometimes I think we shy away from being really clear with our clients on what it is we want from them and what our expectations are. Cause we're like, well, we don't want to scare them away. But the thing is, is that if you are clear, your clients will feel more confident that you have done this many times before, you know what you're doing, you know how to get the best out of the situation and you will deliver. Yeah. And so if you do charge a fair price for what you do as well, then this is part of the brand experience. If I was just starting to work with somebody who's a newbie and it wasn't very much money and they were like, oh, well, you know, we'll just see what happens. And, you know, you just send me things as you need them and there's no real structure, then that would be my expectation because, you know, they're new and I'm not paying a lot. But if you are positioning yourself as an experienced person who has done this many times and has got a set process, then that makes me feel really confident and I am happy to pay you the money to get the job done that I need done. Okay. So I just want to kind of emphasize that because I think people kind of try and steer away from that. And I don't want you to steer away from it because I think that it is a great way to filter out the wrong people for you as well. Now, when it comes to a discovery call, ideally you want to be talking the least. Yeah, it's like an old sales thing. The person that talks the least wins the sale. So you want to have set questions and then you want them to be answering. And you really want to be listening to how they talk about things, what their expectations are, um, you know, who they've worked with before, what they really liked about the people they've worked with before, what they haven't liked about the people they've worked with before, what kind of people have gotten really great results for them um, in the past. Like if you ask the right questions, and I will write some of these questions in the show notes so that you can go and check it out, then 
this is something that I really want you to start thinking about, having the right questions and mapping it out. Now, once you ask those questions, I want you to listen to your gut, (laughs) okay? I want you to listen to your intuition because you will know pretty quickly if this is the right person for you to be working with or not. Yeah, you will hear it in their voice. You will hear it in their answers. When you ask questions, their response, etc., will give you a really good idea. So I really want you to listen to your intuition because mine has been right pretty much every time. And when I haven't listened, I go back and I kick myself that I didn't listen because I knew at the time it was not the right decision to make. Now, the other thing I want to say about Discovery Call, and this is going to wrap up this particular point, is a discovery call is an opportunity for both of you to assess if this is the right relationship for you. So it's not just about them checking you out and them deciding if they want to work with you. You have to also make the decision whether this is right for you, which is obviously what we've just talked about going through that process. And so I have said no to many clients since my bad experiences where I've just said, listen, I actually don't think that I'm the right coach for you because this is how I work and I'm not sure that you're there yet. I'm not sure you really want to take that action and I don't want to waste your money or your time. I want to make sure you have a great experience and that you get what you need. So if you're looking for somebody that's a little bit more passive, then maybe, you know, here are a couple of other people that you can have a chat with, but I just want to make sure that this is the right decision. And I think it's okay to say that. I think once again, as a professional in what you do, it is up to you to say yes or no to the right clients. So that is point one, which is discovery calls. Point two is onboarding. Now you've found the client, yay! They are the one for you. They fit the glass slipper and you are ready to roll. So once again, How you start is how you continue. So when it comes to onboarding your clients, and I was talking to one of my clients about this the other day, it's really important to have a system and a process that you take them through. And I think that onboarding in general is really important. And so what do I mean by that? So for example, okay, so they've said yes. And so now what I would say to them, because I've got the systems in place and this is something I talk about and teach my students in Play Big Brand Bold as well, is to have the right systems in place so that it's a professional experience for your clients. It instills confidence that yes, they've made the right decision because your communication and the way that you invoice them, you contract them, you quote to them is not sort of all over the place. It's just really important to have that. So I'll say to a client, if you'd like to move forward, what I'll do is I'm going to send you a quote. When you receive that quote, you all you have to do is press accept. Once you accept that quote, you will then automatically get a contract and then you will get an invoice as well with all of the details. If you've got any questions, let me know. And then we go from there. So they then get this really professional quote, they get the contract, they get the invoice, all the rest of it. Um, it's all connected with my zero software, my accounting software, etc. And it all looks professional. So that's sort of step one is having the right systems in place so that you are delivering what you need to to the client in a professional way that instills confidence. The second thing is, is that I want you to be really clear on how this is going to work. And in your contract, and I'm kind of thinking of copywriters and web designers and those sorts of things, just because that's what I've experienced. What I want you to have is a really clear timeline because I know I've got some web designer friends and clients out there who were like, oh my gosh, the client hasn't sent me the copy. Like this is dragging on for so long. It's a nightmare. So what you want to do is that you want to actually put a really clear structure in place. You want to say, the contract is signed, the invoice is paid like 30% or 50% or whatever it is that you want to get up front, which I would highly recommend. 
And then you say at week three, at week six, at week nine, I need this from you. And you can set up reminder emails to them, make sure that that is automated once again in your systems. Uh, there are systems that do all this automation for you, uh, but you can also put them into an email sequence, an automated email sequence in your email management software. So I use Active Campaign, but you can add a client and then on the three, six, nine weeks, whatever it is, they'll be getting reminder emails. So that's another way to put them into a reminder email. If you've got things that need to be delivered to you in order for you to work with them and get the job done. Now, something that is a little bit controversial, I'm not going to lie, is that I have worked with some developers before that have penalties if I'm late with things that I have to come back to them on. And I'll explain to you why. Now, I am not saying you should or you shouldn't do this. It's just an idea and it depends on your clients and how you want to work. But I worked with a developer quite a long time ago. I had to wait to work with him because he was booked out. And then he slotted me in and he obviously project manages all of his websites, etc. It was for a large corporate job. And basically, if I was late getting him the work, he was hiring people to do certain things at certain times. So if he knew that the copy for my website had to be done or design had to be done, by a certain date, he would hire somebody and pay them. So if I was late coming back to him, then he would be out of pocket. And he explained this to me. He was very clear about how the project worked, what the expectation was, and the fact that if I was late, then the cost of the contractor would be put on my invoice. And he got agreement up front about that. So he just said to me, Sue, the best thing to do is that a week before anything is due to us, book out a day and make it a non-negotiable day where you review everything. And if you need to come into our office and for us to go through things with you, then please call me and we will set that up because I don't want to give you any penalty costs here. And I'm like, well, I don't want to have the penalty costs either. He said, well, the reason that I do it is because I have scheduled your job in. We have agreed it's going to take four weeks or five weeks or whatever it was. And then what I've done is that I have booked other clients in as soon as your job finishes. So if your job runs late, I am then pushing other clients out. I am paying for additional contractors. So are you happy with this agreement? Are you happy with the timeframes? And do you need anything else to happen? Like, do you have the people that need to sign off on this in agreement that they can sign off on this? Otherwise, they will then incur the penalty costs. And I agreed. I went back to the client because I was doing it for a larger client. And I said, this is what happens. We're signing a contract that says, if we're late, we will pay a penalty. Do you understand that? Are you happy with that? This is what's required. So like I said, I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm just letting you know that I have signed off on projects where if I have said I want to get something done in a certain period of time and I'm working with a contractor that has a lot going on and whose time they're like, this is how we schedule our work and our projects. This is what will happen if you're late. So that is just a little idea if you really struggle to keep clients on track. And if a client is kind of like, well, I don't really like that. You're like, well, is there any reason why you wouldn't be able to meet those deadlines? So once again, totally up to you, but it is something that I have done before. And I was quite happy to do that because I did book out time to make sure I got back to them with what they needed in the time frame I had specified. I wanted the project done by a little hardcore, but I kind of like it. So that is just another Another thing to think about too. So we've got great systems. We've got good automation. We've got the invoicing, etc., happening. And then what you want to do is that you want to set the scene for how you work and how you want feedback from them. So what I'd normally do is that I'll say to a client, I will like, we'll go through each session 
And then what I'd really like is for you to let me know what are some of the things that are working for you and potentially what are some of the things that you need more assistance with. I also need feedback fairly promptly when I send you copy to review or a website to review so that we can keep the process running. And I would also say to them, I've had situations in the past where clients have really dragged things out and it's become a project that is quite a negative experience for both of us. So I want to make sure that that doesn't happen and that I can deliver what you need on time, on budget, etc. But obviously as part of the contract, just so that you're aware, I still will be invoicing for the final invoice on this day as per the contract, even if the copy, et cetera, isn't to me at that time. And you get verbal agreement from them. I just, <laughs> this is this is such a big thing. I am really hot when it comes to invoicing, staying on top of things, checking things, going back to clients. It is something you have to become non-emotional about. You have an agreement in place with somebody to have work done or where you're doing work for them and they've agreed to whatever it is that you've agreed to. So you need to just make sure that you're reminding people about invoices that are out of date or credit cards that have expired and so payments aren't coming through. You need to remind them about dates where they have promised to have work to you so you can continue to move things forward. And then always be asking for feedback as well. And the other thing that I would say, because somebody actually sent me a question on Instagram stories which said how to teach your clients how to give feedback. And so what I would say to you is a lot of times clients don't know how to do certain things and we assume that they do. So what you can do is you can give them a framework. So let's say that you're a copywriter and that you sent them some copy. What you can say is when it comes to feedback, I'd like to know these four things like how does the copy make you feel do you feel like the words are right for what you're trying to express um you know whatever it is like you'll know better i'm not a copywriter so you'll know what you want that feedback to reflect what do you want to know like don't just kind of send somebody something and go can you give me feedback because i'm like well what do you want feedback on like generally it looks okay it sounds okay it reads okay is there something specific that you want to know so if you want to know something then give somebody a framework and an outline of what you want to know. Maybe ask specific questions so that they're really clear and they don't kind of feel stupid because they don't know how to respond to you, okay? And the other thing that I would do during the onboarding process as well is set boundaries. Ooh, did that, did you feel that? Was that scary for you? (laughs) So what I want to do is say things like this. And once again, This is from a recent conversation I had with a client about this where clients were contacting her at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. Totally unacceptable if it's like they're calling you. Like if they're emailing you and stuff, then it's up to you not to get onto the email. So I just want to be clear about boundaries. There are boundaries you set for your clients and then there are boundaries you set for yourself. Shall I say it again? There are boundaries you set for your clients and there are boundaries you set for yourself. Okay, so the boundaries for your clients. Dear client, just to let you know that I work from 9 until 4 or 3.30 from Monday to Friday or Monday, Tuesday and Thursday. I will only be contactable during this time. Please ensure that all communication goes through email. I do not take calls during these hours or you tell them when you take calls if you need to. Otherwise you say, if you would like to speak to me about something, then please feel free to use this link to book in a time. Otherwise email me and I will book in a time for you. So I want you to actually tell a client when you're available and when you're not. Now I'd say to my clients, you can email me at any time, but just know that I'm not going to respond immediately. I'll respond during my work hours when I'm not with other clients or doing other work as well. Like you can say that or not say that, but just make sure that they don't expect you to be responding at the drop of a hat. 
The other thing you can say to clients if you want to is please only use my work email. I don't really like to receive texts or messenger on Facebook about work things because otherwise I can't really organize and keep everything together. I like to have all of the messages about the job in the one place. So once again, you're setting the boundaries for them. You're being very clear about what's required. I would even put it in writing, um, potentially in your contract, but also reiterate it to the client too. Now you might just be thinking, gee, Sue's like, that's really tough. But the thing is, is that you are a professional. This is your business. You have a life as well, and you've got other clients. So you need to make sure that you are being very clear with your clients about what it is you need from them, how you work. I would rather you do that than be complaining or having to deal with clients who are calling you at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. So just think about that. So the second part of that is your own boundaries. So for example, I do work for a corporate and I um, do not work for them. I don't do anything for them on a Wednesday and a Thursday. So my emails are off and my phone is off. And there's like one person who has my personal number who can get in contact with me. And that is the only time that they can contact me on those days if it's an emergency. And I've set that with them for the last four years. So everybody knows they don't call me on a Wednesday and Thursday because that's not days that I have dedicated to them at all. So you have to set it up yourself. When you agree with somebody how you're going to work, then you need to hold your boundaries strong because people will take as much as you give. And the last thing when it comes to onboarding is asking them from the beginning, what does success look like? at the end to you. So I think that this is a really good question to ask. It's one that I've been asking more recently. I wish I'd asked it a lot sooner because I think then that really sets the expectations that you can revisit that and say, do we feel like we're working towards this? Is this something like, are we missing anything? Is there anything else we need to be focusing on in order for us to ensure that we're reaching a successful outcome at the end of our time working together? And so this is a question I think is really important to constantly be revisiting at each of the checkpoints when you are reviewing how the relationship is going with the client. The next point, so point one was discovery calls. Point two is onboarding. Point three is how you manage your client through the process and the project. And so the first tip on this is have set catch-up dates and or emails and times. So make sure that you've got times that you're catching up so they feel confident that they know when things are happening, when they're going to hear back from you, when you're going to catch up. So if you're a VA, you know, making weekly or fortnightly catch up calls or using, I use Asana for my VA. So, um, you know, I put things in there and then we catch up if we need to, but having actual set catch up dates so that you can connect and communicate well, I think is really important and really check how things are going. So as I just said before, what does success look like at the end? Keeping that in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind every time you have a catch up with them. The next point around this is address any issues as quickly as possible. What happens in a lot of client relationships that go bad is that you, one, may have taken on the wrong client, but two, if they start to stretch the boundaries or if things start to happen that you kind of go, oh, that's just, there's just something wrong about that or I don't feel right about that. I would really encourage you to start to think about how you would address that. So for example, I talked about, I talk about learned behaviors a lot. Yeah. And I talk about the fact that when I was starting out and I was really awkward about talking about how much I charged. I used to say to my husband all the time, like as I was brushing my teeth, ask me how much I charge, ask me how much I charge. And then I would say it. And the more I say it, the more I am completely comfortable talking about money and all the rest of it. And the same goes for this. So for example, let's say you've got a client and you can see that there's an issue. I would then say, Sarah, I'd really like to catch up with you about something and 
she says, yeah, that's fine. And, I, and I'll say to her, Sarah, I know that we set a couple of parameters um, or, you know, when we first started working together. And I did mention that I do prefer to just have all of the communications on emails and not through Messenger or text or Insta DM. Um, so I'd really like you to bring it all back to email if that's okay. Otherwise, I really think things will get lost. So I just want you to, and so that's kind of end of scene, but I want you to start to think about what are the issues that you have with your clients and how can you pre-prepare how you would manage that? So let's say a client calls you, you obviously ignore the call, you send them an email the next day saying, hi, Sarah, Um, just as per our discussions, I don't take calls outside of hours. If there is something you'd like to discuss, which I'm more than happy to do, please use the link that I've sent you. If you've got a client where you feel like they're being over demanding, come back to what's in the agreement. So you can say, hi, Sarah, um, I know that you've been asking for these other things. As per our agreement, this is what I will provide as far as the reporting, the social media, analytics, etc. If you would like this additional information, then it will be an additional $100. Yeah. So otherwise you get creep, you get contract and process and project creep. And so it's really important to know and be tight with your boundaries and tight with the contract requirements or the agreement that you have with people. Do not allow for creep. Yeah. And I'll just, and I'll, you know, even give you an example. I've obviously given up my one-on-one coaching. And so every now and again, I do have people that say, you know, can I, can I do one-on-one coaching with you? And I say, no, like these are the ways that you can work with me. Um, and hopefully that works. And then sometimes I get additional questions on that, but I really hold fast to what I've created for my business and for myself. It's so easy just to say yes to things. And it's so easy to allow things to creep. And if you allow things to creep, then the only thing I would say to you is make sure that you're getting paid for it. Okay. You set the boundaries and say, this is what we've agreed. And this is what the fee that you're paying me is for. If you would like to do that, then we can do that, but it's going to cost you an additional amount of money. And you've just got to be like really comfortable with that. And so once again, if this is something that you struggle with, then I would really recommend that you practice it and that you start to think about it now. If somebody tries to get me to do more work than what I have agreed to, what am I going to say? And write that email out. Another little tip on that is that if you find that there are specific things that clients want on a regular basis that might be outside of the scope of whatever you've agreed, then it's always good to have an additional menu of services and products, et cetera, that they can choose from. And what you can do during the onboarding process is say, well, what I'll do is that I will do five hours of VA work for you, plus a strategy session, plus you get the additional X, Y, and Z for however much money. If when we go into this and we start to work together, you find that you actually want additional things, here's a menu of what those things are and how much they cost so that you can make an informed decision whether you want me to do that for you or whether you want to continue to do it yourself, etc. So I think that if you have creep or you have clients that kind of seem to always want something else, then just be prepared to have that costed and available for them if they do ask for it. And then it's just a really easy conversation. It's not embarrassing. It's not awkward. You're like, oh, I've had other clients ask me for that. The package that you're on is this much, but if you want that, then it's just an additional $150 a month. Did you want to add that to your monthly package. End of story. And they're like, oh, uh, no, I didn't, no, I don't really need it that much. You see, and so when you're really clear about these things, it makes it really easy for your clients to make a decision as well, whether they want it or not, without you losing out because you're doing all this extra work for nothing. Oh, now we're getting into some juicy things here. So how to fire a client. So I recently had one of my clients send me a message and say, I've got a client, I've got a, I've got a fire. 
She's sapping the energy out of me. It's not going well. I just can't do it anymore, which obviously is hopefully not something you're going to experience if you do what we talked about in point one, which is through the discovery call. You're vetting people better. But if you get to the point where you have to fire a client, then here are a couple of things that you can do. Now, (laughs) there is... A couple of things. You can either tell the truth or you can lie. I'm just going to be completely upfront about this. You have to decide about the relationship and I'm going to give you a couple of options. So the first thing is to lay the groundwork as soon as you can when things go south. So for example, Sarah keeps calling me, Sarah keeps contacting me. Um, outside of what we've agreed. She's asking me to do a whole lot of things that I have not agreed to do and she's being really persistent about it. And so I can feel that this is going south, yeah? And so now I'm starting to think about, oh my gosh, it's so stressful. I don't want to speak to her. Um, Like, you, you know the feelings, yeah? And so this is what I want you to start to do. So When Sarah keeps coming back to you and saying, I really want you to do this for me. I think it should be part of it. You go back and you say, Sarah, this is what we've agreed. And this is where you start laying the groundwork. If you want more and what I've offered is not enough, then maybe it's best that you potentially find somebody else who can help you with that. Yeah. And then don't say anything else and see what the response is because you have to hold your boundaries. Now, that's one way to play it, where you're just really honest, etc., about it. Now, if you've got a client where it is super difficult, they're very confrontational and it is super awkward for you, then there is another option. And I will give you the templates in the downloadable that you can find on the show notes as well, or if you go to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash episode 58. So this is an email that I gave to one of my clients and it's something that you can use as well. So, dear Sarah, I hope you're well. After reviewing the work I'm doing for you and what you're ideally wanting, I've had to reassess what the best outcome is for both you and I. At this stage, I feel that I'm unable to continue to support you and your business moving forward as your virtual assistant. I will ensure that any remaining work is completed for this week month, you decide, and that you're in a position to find the right person to support you to achieve the best results in your business. I don't take this decision lightly, but want to make sure that the client relationships I have are the right ones for both myself and my client. And that is why I've made this decision. Just note on that, when you say I've made this decision, this is not open for discussion. Okay. So you just need to, once again, hold your boundaries and be strong. Continuing, as I reduce the number of clients I work with, this may be true or a lie, I wanted to give you notice effective immediately and thank you for your business. And then here, you can potentially offer a referral if you know somebody who you think this person would work well with. All the best and kind regards, Suzanne Chadwick. Okay, so that is something that you can do. Now, you can either tell them that you're reducing your workload, you're reducing your clients, you're increasing your rates, which you could do as well. Um, Or you could just say, I don't feel like this is working out. I feel like you want a lot more than what I'm able to provide to you. And so I don't think that this is probably the right relationship to help you to be successful and achieve what you really want to. Uh, based on what we've discussed. So I think that having these types of templates makes it really easy for you to start to broach the situation. But as I said, when you start to see things going south, I think it's really important to start to plant the seed if you know that you're going to probably part ways with the client in the very near future. Like I would just start to say, Sarah, if this is not, like if what I'm providing is not right for you, then, you know, maybe there is somebody who could support you more and you could have the discussion. But when you get to the point where you just need to cut it off, then this is the type of email that you can potentially send. Now, when you are firing a client, obviously you want to make sure you're doing it in a professional way 
um, where you've got specific things that you can refer back to. And it's not about making a huge list of, you know, what they did or what went wrong. You want to keep it short and sweet because if you start to go into a lot of detail, you give them the opportunity to kind of come back and rebut you. But if you're saying, I don't feel based on what you have requested that I am able to support you further, then that's just a fact. Or if you say, I'm reducing my clients, that's just a fact. There's nothing that they can come back to. Or if you are increasing your rates, that's just a fact. So you want to keep it as clean cut professional and factual. I'm doing that in like, you know, inverted commas (laughs) as possible. And then if you do have somebody to refer them to, then you can do that. Because the thing is, is that you don't always fire a client because they're a nightmare. You just, you could be firing a client because it's not the right fit and you might have somebody that is right for them. And last but not least, what I do want you to do when you are closing off a client is really think about the long-term success. So what do I mean by that? Well, go back to what we talked about in the very first point, which is revisiting what does success look like at the end and actually going back to that and saying, do you feel like you've achieved that? Now, one thing I just want to say here is that the answer should be yes. If you have used this as a checkpoint throughout your time working together, yeah, you hopefully shouldn't get to the end and they go like, no, that wasn't anything like what I needed or wanted. And I'm not happy. Like, at every checkpoint, whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever it is, you want to be asking, are we working towards this? Am I meeting your needs? Is this what you thought it was going to be, etc.?" So that you can really make sure that you're nipping anything in the bud that is not hitting the mark. And always have a feedback form as part of your final close off, which should be automated in your system. And in that feedback form, leave a section for them to write a testimonial. Okay. Um, And then the other thing I'd want to say is that if this is a client that you could potentially work with again, then make sure that you have a system in place where you're touching base with them every three, six, 12 months so that you can ensure that if something comes up again, then you're front of mind. Now, what I would also say is stay active on their social feeds by responding. Uh, you could respond to their subscriber emails if you're signed up, but obviously you want them on the, on your subscriber email as well so that you're front of mind for them too. But I, you know, they always say the fortune is in the follow-up. I say that to you all the time. And I think it's just really important that when you close off a relationship with a client, that you continue to engage with them on an ongoing basis so that you stay front of mind. And if anything comes up, then they're going to be thinking of you. So that is my five steps to managing client relationships. So we talked about the discovery call, setting yourself up for success, being okay with saying no to clients who you know are not right for you and listening to your intuition, onboarding, having the right systems in place. I use 17 hats for my quoting, but I know a lot of uh, the ladies that have gone through Play Big, Brand Bold have also uh, used Dubsado as well. But there are so many out there. I think that it's just knowing what you need and really automating that process too. So making sure you're invoicing your systems, etc., making sure that you're checking up and making sure that everybody's paid when they're supposed to, because sometimes credit cards can expire or you know, things fall down sometimes and go between the cracks and your systems may have a glitch every now and again. So it's really important for you to constantly be checking where things are at. Uh, And also set boundaries. So set boundaries for your clients, set boundaries for yourself and hold fast to them. And also always ask them what does success look like at the end. Then we moved to point number three, how to manage your client through the process and the project, set regular catch-up dates, explain to them what good feedback looks like so that they know what you need in order to do the job well, check in on how things are going, address any issues quickly and efficiently, and hold firm to how you work. And if there is creep in the project, charge for it, okay? 
and then firing a client. Lay down the groundwork as soon as you feel things going south and have a script for different situations that you might come up against. And last but not least, closing off the relationship for long-term success. Stay in touch with your clients. Always send out a feedback form, which always asks for a testimonial as well. Wow. So I hope that that was helpful. I have been running projects and I think I've talked about this before. I've been running projects and having conversations like this for as long as I can kind of remember. Um, And so by running projects in corporate, which I've done for a very long time, I get this all the time. I get a lot of creep. I get a little bit of boundary pushing. Uh, I get, you know, can you just do this for me? And you've just got to be really clean cut about it and just say, well, that wasn't part of the original agreement. And so unfortunately we haven't costed for that. So it would be an additional thousand dollars for us to do that for you. So uh, we'd love to do it, but it's totally up to you whether that works in your budget or not. Okay. So these are the sorts of things that you can be practicing. And, you know, like I said, learned behavior is very important in client relationship management because when you get hit with something, then you already know what the response is going to be to it so that you can really manage that as well as possible. And it's done in a really professional way that makes everybody feel okay. Like if somebody said, like if I said to somebody, oh, can you just do this for me for free? And they go, well, Suze, that wasn't part of the agreement. If it would actually cost an additional X, I'm like, fair enough. Like, I think people know when they're asking for something that they haven't agreed to. But as I always say, people will take whatever you give. So it's up to you to make sure that you respect yourself, you respect your own time and you respect what you charge as well. And I think that will really help you with the relationships and really just being honest and upfront when things are not going the way that you want them to go or clients are not behaving in a way that you feel is professional and productive too. So thanks so much for listening and being here. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love you to share it with your community. You can tag me on all socials at Suze Chadwick, but you know, I love to hang out in Insta stories. I would love to know what you think of this episode and if it's helped you. And if you've got any questions as well, then feel free to send me a DM. Uh, I would, I'm more than happy to answer those questions. But until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.